0: everyone and if you don't know me my name is Tom and uh everybody feel like you got a good fill of worship got some time to to worship worship God is good huh? Yes. yes very good so I uh, um, wanted to tell a story. If, if you don't know me I love to travel. I love to go to different countries. I've been my wife and I keep track of who's winning and I'm beating her by the number of countries we that I've been to and, and so I've I've been fortunate to be able to travel around the world with, uh, with work, and mostly work or, or on mission trips. And so it, I've talked about that for a period of years, our family was involved with this ministry called Destiny Rescue. From about 2009 until just recently, we were, we were involved with this ministry on some level. And this ministry, what they do is they, they go into brothels and into the, the, um, the, the underground world, and they, they endeavor to rescue underage girls who have been caught and, and, and trafficked into the sexual um, sex trade industry. And so we got involved with them. And from a period of like 2009 to about 2011, we were really involved, almost working full-time with them on our off time from our business. And my job at the time was to travel and take teams of people from here to Cambodia and Thailand and take them on a two-week trip and show them the world of, of Cambodia and Thailand, show them the ministry of, of Destiny Rescue, show them the need of why Destiny Rescue was operating. There was something about Cambodia and Thailand, one thing that I absolutely loved, 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 was that you can get a massage, a foot massage for $5, an hour-long foot massage for $5. Now, if you wanted to, if you're brave, you could get a full-body massage, Thai massage for $5. And I did that a few times, but I got I got um, concerned about the 100-pound little lady trying to break me in half because she knew how to put her knee into my back and tweak me and bend me. And it just wasn't relaxing. So I switched to these foot massages massages, and for five bucks, it was the way I spent my time and my money in Thailand. So we would take, we would take a team and we'd go to Cambodia and the team would want to shop in the night markets and and, you know, buy little trinkets and stuff, I would go and get a $5 foot massage for an hour, and that's how I did my stuff, and it was awesome. It, incredible. It's the one thing I really, really miss, because if you have to go get a massage here, it's, what, 60 or $70 an hour or something. I can't afford it. But the way it worked was you would walk in, and they would ask you what you wanted, and, you know, I'd say a foot massage, and usually I would take a group of people with me, and they would then seat you and wash your feet, And then they would proceed to massage your feet for an hour long using some really like good smelling menthol like um, lotion that would, you know, really just soothe your feet after walking around the hot, humid, dirty streets of Cambodia or Thailand. And um, at the end of the hour, as the hour was coming close, they would actually massage all the way up your calf and really work you in. And then they would get and do, you know, you would think you were done and they would do your hands and then they would you know, have you turn around and do your shoulders and a head massage. So for $5, it was incredible. When they finished, they would tell you you were done. They did this little thing with, you know, where they patted, like trotty chopped your back. And you would sit down, and then they would bring you a cup of green tea and some cookies and some fruit, fresh fruit, all for $5. It was It was a great use of $5. Now, there's a few times... In that we had some few experiences that were interesting, stuff that I remember. Like, so when we would land in Cambodia, we had just flown 24 hours from the U.S., and we were jet-lagged. So the way jet lag worked for me was I'd wake up at 4 in the morning and be wide awake, but about 6 or 7 at night, I was getting tired. So I would be sitting there getting a foot massage, and I would inevitably doze off, and I would wake up to everybody laughing. And they would, they would claim that I started snoring, and I, I don't snore you guys somebody else it must be the guy next to me so so that happened every single time but one specific time i wanted to share we were my wife joe and i we're in Thailand, and there, a friend of ours named Brittany, who, who's from Syracuse, she had lived over there and had been there almost a full year serving the ministry. And we took her out to dinner and took her to get a foot massage because living there on, on her money, she, she didn't get foot massages very often. We always took extra money, so we take her to get a foot massage. And the, the, the specific place we would go to in that town, you walk in and they had these wonderful, relaxing, lounging chairs that you would sit in. But before you sat down, you would have to go around to the back where you'd sit on this wooden bench, and they would first wash your feet. Now, for me, you know, they always take your flip-flops off, they wash your feet, and then they give you a pair of flip-flops that would fit my daughter, and I'd have to kind of, like, do this funky tiptoe walk just to get back to my seat. But this specific time, we sit down, the three of us sit down, and we put our feet in the bucket of water, and the three women approach us, and they start having this conversation. And we're kind of staring at them, and they're kind of going back and forth, and Brittany just starts busting up, and she had learned to understand the Thai language in the year that she was there. And she's laughing and laughing and laughing. I said, what are, they, what are you laughing about, Brittany? And she's, I'll tell you later, I'll tell you later. Well, what had happened is as they walked up, they saw Joe and her beautiful, dainty little feet. And they saw Brittany and her nice little feet. And they saw my Fred Flintstone feet. And they started to argue about who was going to have to rub my feet. And they were bickering like, and here's what she told me. They're saying, I don't want to rub his feet. You rub his feet. Do you see the size of those feet? I don't want to rub those feet. And They're going back and forth on who's going to have to handle me. Now, we had taken our, our family there on one of the trips, and we had pull up on the motorcycle, and we had ride three or four on one little scooter, and my son would ride in front of me, and they got used to seeing us pull up. They would run out to the motorbike and grab my son and carry him in. He was about seven or eight at the time because this cute little blonde boy, and for an hour, they just had to sit here and go like this to a little boy, you know. But to my, you know, big old blocks, they had to work them and that sort of thing. And they were they were just fighting and bickering over, it. and then one of them conceded. Okay, I'll be the one to give in and rub this guy's feet. And they would rub your feet, and they'd always smile and and speak real kindly, and you know, and serve you service really well for five dollars. Now, the 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 job of massaging feet is not a a high paying job. It's it's a lowly job, even in Thailand and Cambodia. They if they're charging five dollars. The person who's doing the job gets like somewhere between $1.50 and fifty and two fifty for that hour of work. So there's just not a lot of pay involved in rubbing some white dude's big old block feet. But they did it, and they served. And I, we would always make sure we tipped. And it, and it was always just a wonderful thing for me. I don't know about for the person doing it, but they always acted like they were enjoying doing the job. I wanted I just to share that story because it's going to come back around here in a few minutes. But, but if you've been hanging out with us for the past few weeks, here's the question we've been trying to answer. We've been trying to answer, what does an all-in follower of God look like? So if, you, if, you, if you're this here this morning and you say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of God. I, 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 I've came and, and recognized who Jesus is. I, I know who God is. I, I want to be led by him. I want to serve him. We've been asking the question, what does it really look like? when we say we are Christians or we are all-in followers of God. And part of that is, is my idea that if we can talk about this and all kind of come to a commitment in our life of saying, I want to be all-in for Jesus, then as we approach Easter and as we move on as a church, we will be prepared to really do God's work in this, in this world, in Warsaw. And so we've been asking this question, and what we've been doing is looking at Acts chapter 2. So if you have, you have your Bible... You could turn to Acts chapter two. We're going to kind of jump around, and I'm only going to reference this scripture a couple times because we've read it over the past few weeks. But here's what's happening in Acts chapter two. The, basically, as you read through Acts chapter two, the first Christian church is is formed. The whole, Jesus has died. Jesus has risen from the grave. Jesus has ascended into heaven. The, the believers of Jesus are waiting. The Holy Spirit comes on this day. It's, it's awesome. It's powerful. There's a message preached. 3,000 people say, I want, the, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a part of, of God's church. I want, to be a, I want to follow Jesus. And this church is formed. And you could pick up in verse 42. And it, it starts to share that what the, these early believers did is they were worshipers of God. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. That they, they got together every day and they worshiped God. They understood who God was in their life, and they truly, as a group, worshiped God. And then and then we saw that they were generous people. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. Generous people meaning, in, if you read in verse 43, 44, you'll read that that these people were selling their possessions in order to bring it to the group so everybody can, it was just an even playing field that we just want to serve each other. We want to see God's kingdom grow, and so we're willing to give of our resources so that, the kingdom of God can grow, and last week we talked about that they were they were devoted people to, to the community. That they, as they got together, they devoted themselves to one another. That they were they were were willing to look past maybe some of their differences, some of the uh, even, even um, social differences, um, racial differences, and they were devoted to being one and, and loving and serving God together. And so this morning I want to build on top of that. And here's 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 the take home. Here's what I want to, the big idea is. I want to say that an all in follower of God is called to serve. And I want to just add that to the to the list of things that an all in follower of God looks like. So when when we want to look at an example in the Bible of what it looks like to serve, there's a there's a really awesome awesome story that we can look at. But but it's a story that I think is the most awkwardly interpreted story that we interpret. And that's the the story when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And you can find that in John chapter 13. But let me just tell you, here's how the story goes. It's Passover night, and it's actually the night that we're going to be looking at in a couple weeks where Jesus knows that that night he's going to get arrested. He's going to be betrayed by some of his disciples. He's going to be arrested. And eventually, the next day, he's going to hang on the cross and die. And so Jesus goes to dinner with his guys. It's the Last Supper. We've all heard of that, right, the Last Supper. He goes, and they're they're about to have dinner, and Jesus gets up out of his place and starts to wash his disciples' feet. Now, this caught his disciples off guard because at this point, they they knew who Jesus was. They believed in who Jesus was. They had been with Jesus, watching Jesus heal, heal sick people, watching people who couldn't see receive their sight as Jesus met them. Watching people who couldn't speak, speak. Watching dead people walk up out of, the, out of a deathbed, wake up and get up. They had seen who Jesus was. They knew who Jesus was. To, to them, he was not only a, a great teacher, but he had become their Lord. He, he, had, he was recognized in such a way that a few, a few um, times before, one of the mothers of two of his disciples came and said, hey, Jesus, can my son sit on each side of you when you are established in your kingdom, when you sit on your throne, can my son sit next to, your, next to you on your right hand and your left hand? They knew who Jesus was. So it caught the disciples a little bit off guard when Jesus stood up and started to wash his feet. And you can read about it. Even one of them named Peter, he protested. He said, no, no, you can't wash my feet. I need to wash your feet. And then they had a little dialogue, and he moves on to wash his feet. But here's why I think the story is powerful. It's the last night of Jesus' life. It's his last time before he goes to the cross to be with his, his, his people, with the guys that he had, he had been spending his life with, living with, day in and day out, traveling with. And, he, and it, it was his time to do his final impartation to them, to share with them his final what's important to him that he would like them to carry on. Now, if it was me, I'd be saying, guys, tomorrow's going to be a rough day. Can one of you kind of massage my shoulders? And can you, we all gather around for a group hug? I need some, I need some like safe, safe time, some, some you know, comfort. But Jesus gets up and starts washing his disciples' feet. And what, he, what I believe he's saying here is he's saying, guys, it's so important that you serve. It's so important that you rid yourself of the selfishness that the world will have you be to serve other people. And I think that he used that time to make a very powerful statement of serve others, love others. I am who I am. You know who I am. I'm going to be raised up, but I'm going to do the lowliest job in this, that a servant would do, and I'm going to wash the dust off your feet. And I think it was powerful. Now, here's why I think it's awkwardly interpreted. I took some biblical interpretation classes, two or three of them, and everyone, when you take these classes, they talk about worldview, and they say, you know, we have our worldview, and our worldview is basically how we, how we see things. So here living in 2017, we see things a certain way. And then when you're looking at Scripture, you have to look at the worldview of when it was written. You have to say, you know, who wrote this? Who said this part of the Bible? What were they saying? Who were they saying it to, and why were they saying that? And then there's this Christian worldview where you kind of ask, what is God trying to say to everybody? How does what is said here translate to me today? What's the big message God's trying to say? And, and how does it carry forth for God's kingdom? And I think, awkwardly, we've looked at this, this picture of Jesus washing this, this, his disciples' feet, and we translate it like, we should watch each other's feet. Has anybody ever washed feet? Have you ever been? Yeah. Did you like it? I found it to be extremely awkward. Here's why. We don't wash feet in, in Indiana in 2017. It's just not what we do as a culture. But, but I've been in, in times where, for some reason, we symbolically were going to wash feet. And so you sit around in a circle, and somebody brings out a pail of water, and and they start going around. And, of course, it's men and men and women and women. They separate us, and I'd have no problem washing my my wife's feet or like my daughter she's got some bad scarring on her feet from when she was an accident when she was younger so sometimes her feet hurt so we have to get some lotion and rub it into her feet to try and relieve some of her pains but you sit around with a group of guys and you all take your socks off and you stare at each other and somebody starts washing the feet right and then they you know it's your turn and you're supposed to wash the guy's feet next to you so you know you kneel down you look longingly into the guy's eyes because you have to show brotherly love. Because man, I'm doing this because I love you and I want to serve you. And you get their foot and you try to ignore the corn or the bunion or the toenail that looks like it belongs to Frankenstein. And you rub and you wash and you try and do it like in this symbolic way. And if you really love the guy, you got to get inside those tootsies, you know, and get get the lint out. And it's gross, and you're like trying not to dry heave. (laughs) And you're staring at this guy awkwardly, and he's staring at you. And symbolically, I've served you. And then the biggest problem comes for me is that next, I'm in line. And the guy next to me is now going to wash my big club feet. And the water has the guy next to me's lint in it. (laughs) And it's dirty, and it's, you know, grows from six other guys. And then he kneels down, and he looks longingly into my eyes. And I'm like, I think we've misinterpreted what what Jesus is doing here. I think the whole point of what Jesus was doing on his very last night with his disciples is he's serving them. He's saying, I, we are no better than everybody else. We can do the nastiest, dirtiest job to serve other people for God's kingdom. And what that would mean today is, you know, changing diapers. I'm, I was fine changing my kids' diapers. I don't like changing other people's diapers. You know when you do that diaper check where you... And you know it's a bad diaper when you put your thumb in there and pull it back, and yep, <laughs> dirty. And it's somebody else's kid, and you gotta change this exploded diaper. That's like that would be like the bottom of the barrel serving for me. But Jesus says, "I'm I'm 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 giving you an example of what to do. You're not you're not better than anybody. Go serve, serve people. So so here's what I want to do. Here's what I do. I, w- I want us to to ask the why why we should serve and look at, look at some, some ideas from Jesus and then, and then just look at the how, okay? And, and then we'll just wrap it up there. So, so real quickly, here's the why. The first reason why we serve is that Jesus tells us to. If you read further in John chapter 13, towards the end of the story of him washing his, his disciples' feet, he says this, he says, And since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So he's just saying, I've, I've served you in the way that the lowest person in the house, the lowest servant in the house has to serve. I've given you this, this example. Go do it. I think it's a simple, it's a simple, it's a simple thing for, that God gives us to just serve people. Go serve. We, we want to call ourselves Christians. We want to call ourselves followers of God, and, and we don't serve. Jesus said this in Luke. I don't think it will be up there, but he said, he said, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? But you don't do what I say. Why, you, wanna be, you want me to be your Savior. You want me to be your Lord. But you don't actually do what I've laid out for you to do. Sometimes I wonder if God just sits up there and shakes his head at us. Like, when are these people going to get it? I said, serve. Go serve. So, so we serve because Jesus tells us to. We serve because we are, we are filled by God when we serve. Let me explain it this way. Have you, ever, have you ever used the line or maybe heard the line, ah, that church, I'm just not being filled. I, I just don't get filled when I go to that church. And, and, and here's what I would wonder. I'd wonder if you've heard somebody say that or if you've used that, if you were to evaluate your life and your involvement in that church, did you actually serve in that church? Were you actually engaged all in to see that church come to, to the place of meeting its vision that, that God's laid out for that specific body? Or were you just there on a Sunday hoping that you would get enough from the pastor to carry you through the rest of the week? And by Saturday, Sunday afternoon, you've forgotten what I said. And so you, you just don't feel like, man, I'm just not getting anything out of that church. And, and Jesus says, you will be full when you do what God's laid out for you to do. You remember the story? I love the story. It's becoming, I think it's my favorite story in the Bible where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. I think that there's so much in that that is crazy for us to look at. But here's, here's part of the story. It says that Jesus sat down at the well because he was tired. He was, he was wore out from the traveling. And he sent his disciples to go into the town to get food. So his disciples are gone, and Jesus has this incredible conversation with this woman. And he has this conversation. And I think that he sent his disciples in to get carnitas burritos. Because I think Jesus loved Mexican food. And there's probably an El Camal, you know, in, in some area there. And he said, go get us burritos. And his disciples return. And they're saying, come on, Jesus, eat. And he says this to him: He says, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And they start wondering, like, who brought Taco Bell to him? Because we have El Camal. Did he already eat? You remember this, right? Now, now here's the interesting part. He was tired. He was fatigued. He said, go get us some food so we could be restored. But he ends up in this really intense conversation, doing God's will with this woman. And they come back, and he says, I'm good. I don't need anything more. And, and, and he says this after, after he, you know, he explains this to his disciples after they're wondering, how, how would you get some food? He says this in, in John 4. He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So here's, how I would, here's how, what I would say for today. If you're a person that's been involved in church and you just say, man, that church isn't meeting my knees. I'm just not getting it. I, I leave there and I feel empty. I would say, are you serving? I would say, have you made a commitment to do what Jesus told us to do and really engage and serve the body? Are you, have you, are you really committed to being all in the way the early church was by serving? And then so, so we... We, we serve because Jesus tells us to. We serve because we're filled by God to serve. And then, and then we're served because we're gifted to serve. 1 Peter 4.10. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then... Everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And you're all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So here's the thing. If, if, you, if you're sitting here and you're like, I'm not a Christian. I'm just checking this thing out. I, I heard that somebody's going to tell a joke today. Maybe you came here because you saw Branch's Vineyard and you thought we we're a winery and we we're going to do some wine tasting. Sorry. But if you're a Christian, here's what it is. When you said yes to Jesus, when you entered into the family of God, God gave you specific gifts and these gifts are not for you to hoard to yourself and use as you will these were gifts given to enhance the body to make the body complete and ultimately to take out so that the world can know this Jesus and we hoard these gifts and we say not sure or we don't even spend time to discover what it is God has given us have you been a Christian for 20 years and you're like "I, I just don't know what my gifting is but God's given us a gift. We're gifted, and the gifts are to serve others. The gifts are to go out and see others come to Jesus, to encourage others. So we're, we're served because Jesus told us to. We serve because we can be filled by God, and we're ser- we serve because we're gifted. So when we read the account in Acts chapter 2, it's pretty easy for us to see these, these certain attributes of the early church that, that we've laid out over the few weeks. You know, you could look and see that that they you know it says that they worshiped it says that they they sold their possessions and gave this says it shows like right there on on the paper that they were generous people it's we could we can see that by them grouping together by them having people in their homes to eat that they were they were building a community in their community, community but we say where where does it say that that they served where does where, because because it doesn't just say they just served where does it say they served and l- let me just let me just point out if you have your Bible and you're looking at Acts chapter 2, you can just you can follow this along from from verse 42, but if not just listen to this. It says that the church listened to the teachings of the apostles. They listened to the teachings of the apostles. If somebody's listening to a message, you have to know that the apostles had spent some time preparing. They had spent some time of their free time or whatever to prepare teachings that the early church was listening to. So 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 the apostles were serving the people of the early church, by sharing with them the word of God. It says that they, that they shared meals together. There was 3,000 people the first day. This church was a mega church instantly, and they shared meals together. Who prepared those meals? Who, who cooked and labored in the kitchen? Who went out and bought the food that needed to be bought? Who gave the money? These people were serving each other so that they could all eat. I, I know at my house, meals don't just happen. They don't just show up on the table. Somebody has to go in and work and serve to prepare a meal. It says they prayed together. I, I would assume somebody had to lead their prayers of 3,000 people, like gather them together and say, let me let me, let me help lead this. They worshiped together. Somebody was leading worship. Somebody was serving by, by preparing and leading worship. They took the Lord's Supper. When we take the Lord's Supper, it's like a three-part thing. We'll take it next Sunday. Somebody comes up and gives a, a, like a devotion about the Lord's Supper. Somebody coordinates everything. Sarah Payton coordinates all the people. Somebody has to come and get, go buy the bread and put the juice in and get it ready. And then we have two couples that serve in the back. So it takes about eight, six or eight people to make the Lord's Supper happen. What, who, who served the Lord's Supper for 3,000 people? People had to serve. And then there's the hidden one. That's the biggest problem. I think it was probably the problem from day one of the church, and it is today. Who took care of the kids? Because those 3,000 people didn't include the kids. Who took care of the hundreds and hundreds or maybe thousands of kids? Somebody was teaching Sunday school. Somebody was serving. And so, so for us today, if you're part of branches, and if you're not part of branches but you're part of another church, here's what I want you to challenge, I want to challenge you to. I want to challenge you to ask yourself, where am I serving in my body, in my body, my local body, my church, whether it's branches or somewhere else, that's that I'm using my gifting, that I'm using my abilities that God's given me, that I'm just serving because there's a need? Where am I serving as an all-in follower of God? Am am I serving? Am I serving? And sometimes, here's what I wonder. I wonder if sometimes we don't recognize what a Sunday morning service looks like. You know, I had this line. I had this season where I went to church, but God had to do some work on me. Every Sunday, we would leave church, and Joe would say, Tom, what would you think of the message? And I didn't listen to the guy. I tuned him out as soon as he started talking. And so my line was, oh, I liked what he had to say. I couldn't. Liked what the guy had to say. But now I recognize that guy probably spent like 10 to 20 hours during the week preparing a message to, sh- to talk for 30 minutes. 10 to 20 hours that this guy sp- spent his whole week. And, and, and now that I have to do it week after week, I understand what this guy would have went through and how, how I just was, I was just basically disrespectful as a Christian to this guy because I, I know now what it took to be able to preach a message on Sunday morning. Do you, Anybody have coffee this morning? Do you know that if, when you go and have a cup of coffee, it's like eight man hours per month, so we could just simply have a cup of coffee. I added it up. It takes somebody to go buy the beans. Then somebody has to come at, at 9 o'clock to prep the, all, and get all the coffee made for, for Sunday morning, and, and then we, we watch it to make sure it doesn't go empty, and then somebody has to clean it up. And it's almost two hours a week to make coffee. The worship team up here, it's like 30 man hours per week so that we can worship together. Because on Monday, somebody builds like puts the songs together. They call me and say, "Tom, what's what's the message about?" Or I've, I've pre-given the message. So a lot of times we try and coordinate the the worship to prepare our heart for the message. So they put the message together. They've sent out notice to all the band members and and decided who's who's going to be you know serving or not. Then they come. Then every, all the band members get the music and have and have from Monday to Thursday to pr- prep themselves and learn the music. Then they come together on, on Thursday for about an hour and a half and have a full practice, and it's usually six or seven people. Then they come at 8 o'clock or 7.30 in the morning on Sunday and have a full practice just to lead us for an hour and a half, like 30 man hours. There's people here at 7.15 every Sunday morning getting the building ready, sweeping up. We pay somebody 12 hours a week to clean the building. Do we realize that it takes like over 100 man hours a week so the body of Christ can come together and worship, worship God? And, and the problem we have is a lot of times it's like 20% of the people doing the work. Now, we have some great people serving in this church. A couple of weeks ago, you might have noticed I was sick. We came to church, and I didn't, And I, I was just it was when we had that flu going around. And luckily, we had scheduled to preach at the top of the service. So I was just sick. I was really feeling miserable. I mean, I was in bed for the next three days. And I got up, and I preached my, the message. And then I literally went in my car and drove away and went home because I just couldn't handle it. You know that I didn't have to worry one bit about who's going to lock the building, who's going to clean up the coffee, who's going to make sure the toilets are all flushed so that they're not sitting stale for two days, who's going to turn all the lights off, who's going to make sure that the kids, kids all get checked out. I didn't have to worry about any, way, any of that because the people that serve here serve very well. They serve very well. But, but where are you at? Imagine this. Imagine a church where every single person who is a follower of God, every single person who says, yes, I'm a Christian, serves wholeheartedly. And you serve within your gifting, and you serve because you just see that there's a need. Imagine what that would look like. You know what that would look like? As a body, first of all, a lot of people would have some relief that are doing multiple, multiple jobs because we would be able to start to spread the tasks out. But also what would happen is we would be serving so well that it would start to spill out of this building into the streets. And the and the world will start to see this this is a group of people who are serving and loving each other so well and are worshiping God so well that it's pouring out in the streets and we will become we will become so attractive that when we ask the question how are we going to grow we don't have to worry about that question because we're so attractive we're spilling out in the streets that we're looking at each other going there's nothing else to do in this building so we could worship on Sunday morning and and be lifted up let's go out and start serving in our communities. Because a lot of times we worry about what happens here before we worry about what happens there. And, and with the limited people serving, we, we tend to get bottlenecked here. But if everybody sitting in here said, I'm going to serve, I'm going to find some way to serve in that church because that's my church and that's my family, and I'm going to serve well, we would be spilling out into the streets. I think we're the kind of people that, that, that can do that. I don't think any of us want to say, no, no. I just want to go to heaven. I really don't want to follow this Jesus, but I want to go to heaven, so I said yes to him on that Easter morning 20 years ago. But I think deep down God's given it in you to be a worshiper of him, to say, I want to worship God. I want to come to a place where everything is about my worship for God. And out of that spills this desire to love other people, even when we're different, even when we smell different, even when we look different, even when we don't agree on doctrinal issues. But, yeah, it's okay. We're different, but we're going to just love each other. And out of that comes this desire to say, I want to see other people come into this family. I want to see other people come and come to Jesus. And so because of that, I'm going to serve this body with the gifting that God's given me so that more people can come to Jesus. So, so here's what I want to offer. I want to say this. If that rings something with you, if you say, yeah, I'm ready to step up. I'm ready to serve God. I'm ready to, I want to be all in, and all in means the complete package. I want to say that there's a place for you. There's a need for you. There's a place for you to serve. If you know your spiritual gifting, if you say, man, I I know God's given me a gift to sing, and and I I can come and help lead the worship, come and talk to the worship team. Talk to Rick this morning and say, I know I need to be serving this body through worship. If you know you can teach, if you know you you can love on kids, Talk to the people that are leading in the back. Talk to one of us. If you say, I don't know where I I can can serve, but I just want to serve, do you know that through the week we have tons of areas that need to get done during this week? It it could just mean coming and helping cleaning the kitchen. It can mean coming and helping, picking up, you know, I'll do the spring cleanup outside. Those are areas somebody's got to do it. It's got to happen. It's got to get done. And God's telling us, hey, group together and get it going. Because once you get your stuff figured out, then you guys will be prepared for more to come in. Does that make sense to us? Does that seem fair? Okay, quiet. Stand up. I know you guys are like, uh. Here, here, here's, here's an observation, okay? Not pointing out anybody specific or saying, trying to be judgmental. But my observation is when people start to feel overwhelmed in life, the first thing they quit is God. The first thing they quit is, is serving. They quit worshiping. They quit serving. They, and they quit coming. We hear all the time people tell us, I need to stop serving because I'm just overwhelmed. And it frustrates some of us because the overwhelmed means, you're saying you can't come for two hours on a Sunday and serve God's people? And, and my frustration is, I bet you spend more than two hours a day on Facebook. This is me being judgmental. Don't you, can't you quit Facebook, and then you won't be so overwhelmed, and then you can come serve? Or can't you reorganize your schedule so that you actually don't feel overwhelmed? Because we all have 24 hours in the day. We all have the same time. It's just a matter of you don't want to. Or, or really what I think happens is Satan loves to make us think selfishly, to say, oh, I need my time. I need, it needs to be about me. But everything about the body of Christ, everything that we've been looking at for the past few weeks involves being selfless. Because worshiping God means not worshiping yourself. Because giving your money means not hoarding it to yourself. Because being a part of a community means loving people that that maybe aren't like you. And serving means giving up time and energy that you have to use the gifting God's given you to, to help see God's kingdom move forward. So, so... So, let's let's just be real. If you don't want to serve, just say no. Don't want to do it. I, I'd respect that. We'll respect that, but but it, we don't need to make excuses. Just say, no, "I don't want to." Or, "Yeah, you know what? I need to serve because that's what God Jesus told me to do." I need to serve. Okay, so will you pray with me and then we'll wrap up there and and I love you guys. <laughs> here's here's how it's going to I'll pray. And then they'll lead us in another song of worship. If you're new here and you don't know, we always provide a time at the end of service to pray for people because we know that, that we have a lot of dirt on our feet from the world, and we ne- need that dirt washed off. And sometimes we need people to love on us and be around us to see some of that, that stuff fall away. So, so if you came in here heavy, if you came in here with, with that you're carrying something, you don't have to leave carrying that. Because there's a God that heals. There's a God that, that takes care of stuff. There's a God that, that will meet you where you're at. And you have to just be willing to say, God, would you meet me? God, I can give you this. Can you can you take this from me? And so we offer a time where people will be up here. And at the end of the song, if you want somebody to pray for you, if you just feel like, man, I need, I need to offload, feel free. Just feel very comfortable that we love each other. We're, we're really wanting to be a community of people that love each other. And so no condemnation, no judgment, no judgment. just people that want to pray with you love love you, and ask God to to interfere with what 's happening in your life so so that would be that if at the end of the song you want to continue to worship, the band will play a little bit longer. you could just stay in your seat and worship, you could feel free to do whatever you want, or if you 're done, you could take take conversations and fellowship outside, okay, so will you pray with me and and would you just um as I pray, would you just be? be evaluating your heart and your commitment level to to God and and to to using the gifting that he's given you. So God, would you would you be just touching our hearts right now, Lord? Would you have us to be honest with ourselves and with you? God, I'm praying with the person right now that's saying, "Yeah, I I need to serve you. I need to I need to worship you through serving you." God, I recognize that you're that I want to be all in for you, and that, that includes using my gifting and serving. So, God, I'm praying with that person, and I'm just saying, Lord, would you meet that person in such a way that they know they know that you're with them, that they know that you're moving in their life? God, I'm committed to being with the person that says, I want to serve, but I have no clue what that means, what that looks like. God, would you, would you give that person just a comfort to know that there's a place? that there's always a place, there's always a place that, that you can get in and, 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 and put some skin in the game and, and, and just serve your, your body. God, if I'm praying with that person right now if that, that says, I, I have this desire, you've, I have this thing on my heart, I just don't know how to see it played out. God, would, would, you, would you give that person just the boldness to not, not feel like it's arrogance, but just say, God's given me this and I, I need to see it happen. And, God, would you give us the, the resources and the, and the ability to see that played out so that that person's walking out your will for their life so that they can be filled doing what you've called them to do. And, Lord, we do this, we commit these things because we want to see your kingdom come. God, we don't want to be a, a group of people that just huddle here on Sunday mornings. We want to be a group of people just active for your kingdom out in the world. And, God, we, we, just, we need a nudge sometimes. We need to understand what you've told us to do. And, God, I just, I'm praying with the people that are saying yes, that are saying it's time. It's time for me to serve. God, I'm also saying thank you, Lord, for those that serve well. There's so many people in here that, that have, are giving their time, giving their energy, and really serving your kingdom well. God, would you bless them? Would you, would you, just, would you just instill in them right now that, that, that they're doing your will, would you fill them up in such a way that, that they don't feel like they're being drained because they're serving, but they're filling, they feel like they're a river of, your, of you passing through them as they serve out? And God, as you grow your kingdom through branches, as we see people come and say yes to you, because of what you've called us to do, God, we will always give you the praise, always give you the glory. It always is about you. It's never about us. So we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.